Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Lynch from the Logistics of Logistics, and today we've got a great guest here with us. Uh, we have Steve Elwell with us, and Steve is a long-term friend of mine. We work together. Uh, we hang out sometimes, not nearly enough, and we talk on the phone <laughs> a lot. We've collaborated on a variety of projects. I often call him my business partner, although we don't own the same business. We own separate business, but we have worked together on a lot of projects over the year. He's a great friend with really powerful insights into business development strategy and sales so before we get started i got a little bio here from steve uh feels odd to talk so formally about a friend but i'll say just the same steve is a consultant and executive who helps businesses improve sales revenue over the course of his career he has launched over 30 products and services into industrial and b2b technology markets he has recruited from scratch and led six sales forces and successfully led over 15 new market entries Steve has been a CEO or CEO of five professional service manufacturing technology companies, undergoing life and death business transitions. Steve's logistics exposure includes development and introductions of multiple alternative fuel systems to carriers and private fleets, business and sales strategy development for several 3PLs, that's what we worked on together, and the exploration of multiple technologies for use in carrier fleets. He holds a BA and an MBA from Albion College. Wayne State University. So, welcome, Steve. Hey, thanks, Joe. Hey, congratulations on the uh, on the new podcast. Thank you so I'm, much. I'm, Thank you so much. I'm, Don't screw it up. Honored. <laughs> no, no, honored to be honored to be uh, be considered to be the, the first guinea pig. So, yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so I can screw something up with you. <laughs> so, Steve, before we get started into the meat of new market entry especially as it pertains to logistics. Talk a little bit about your background. Where did you start and how did you kind of get into this new market entry so much of it? Yeah, the new market entry part really came as an outgrowth of of the new business development problem. I'd got involved uh, with, as you know, a uh, a friend of ours with a, with an engineering services business who had lost almost you know a huge chunk of his work because uh, a major client had uh, switched directions. It came to the fore that, they didn't really know how to do uh, new business development. And uh, the problem was that it could be done on an ad hoc basis, uh, but not really, you know, from a planned perspective, just didn't know what the issues were. And as a result, it was necessary to try and figure out a process and a way of doing it and do it enough of it to make the business uh, you know, viable. You hit on something I think is very interesting is the ad hoc nature of sometimes people entering new markets. So they think, oh, well, this, this came easily. So we'll just, we'll pursue this or this seems like a good market and it's really not much thought, but we'll get into that a little more in a minute. Yeah. So in any event, they, uh, as a part of that, when you start going after new customers, you find yourself working not just in the same place as you were before, but you find yourself maybe in other industries, industry groups. Uh, in some cases you find yourself. Hey, we want to, we want to introduce a new service or both at the same time. And, uh, those all present, you know, significant problems and they're, they're not well understood. They're the kinds of problems that don't lend themselves to sort of traditional functional thinking in, in most companies. 
That's so that's, that's what led me to it. Uh, and it was really, uh, you know, born of necessity. <laughs> that's usually how we learn, I guess. So as you know, most of my audience are logistics guys. We've talked offline about how new market um, entry and the changes happening in the logistics industry. How does new market entry impact those guys, my audience? Oh, potentially hugely. And the, because there are so many different things going on in the industry, there's so many changes occurring that you may be forced into moving into a new market because of a, a, a change of, say, ELD reduces your ability, you know, a carrier's ability to have capacity. Um, because of reduction of time that the truck can be on the road. Consolidation in the market where you have a big player coming in and trying to buy up other suppliers of 3PL or carriers or, or whatever the case may be, or potentially different parts of the business being picked up by a different industry. So these constant changes that are occurring force many of the players to reevaluate their business and take a look at where they're getting their revenue you know, an attempt to stabilize it or grow it or what have you. I think one of the things I see is, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to get that final mile. You know, everybody sure. wants home delivery, but that's a very different market. You're talking sometimes using non-traditional drivers, I'll call them, you know, guys who have cars. You're oftentimes you're delivering to a uh, group that is not professional receivers. They're consumers like you and me. And they're also, you're leaving stuff on the porch. There's a whole different level of logistics. Can't do it on an ad hoc basis. No. Well, and that's the challenge with, with entering any new market. You know, particularly what you're talking about there is essentially a new service or a significant service modification. So you're adding, really, it's, it's a brand new thing. If you're, if you're not, let's say, for example, last mile, if you're delivering to a house, and you don't deliver to a, to a residence. Typically, you deliver to a, a factory or a distribution center. Well, that's a completely different set of customers in many cases. It's a completely different service in the sense that, look, you're expected to do different things and the demands and pitfalls of those things are significantly different. And the trick, or at least one of the tricks in the new market, you know, when you're going to enter a new market, is understanding what those things are as much as possible ahead of time. So the, the quality of your service stays high and you don't run into a bunch of unanticipated costs that, that ruin your margins. That's a little bit of planning. So, so we can avoid this ad hoc kind of accidental market entry that, you know, let's face it, it's not going to be destined for success if it just kind of happened because if one of your sales guys had a lead. Tell us about your framework for new market entry. Sure. The idea is to have a little bit of forethought. Uh, I particularly like to look at things from top down. And in a lot of cases, you know, these things develop bottom up and that's part of the issue. You know, a, a piece of work comes in and uh, it was unanticipated and somebody figures that, hey, look, we can be in this business. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it results in, in, in big problems. But I think the way around it is first you, you start out and, and you be a little bit deliberate about what you're trying to accomplish, you know, classify what it is and, uh, you know, what are you trying to do and why? So typically I'll look at it and I think I alluded to it a little bit at the beginning of the conversation about, are you trying to just get a new customer? You know, is it the same product to the same kind of customer? Are you adding a new product and selling it to the same customer? Are you going the other way and you're keeping your product or service, but you're selling it to a new customer market? 
And then of course the last one is, you know, new customer and a new product. And they're different levels of complexity and frankly risk. And if I could just talk about a little bit of an example. So let's just say I'm a logistics company that mm-hmm. specializes in transportation for retail. So I'm working with Target already. And then Target says, hey, would you like to help us out with some home delivery? Sure. Where do I go? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the fir- fir- <laughs> fir- first thing you better do is check your bank account <laughs> and make sure that you have adequate resources to support what they're asking you. And then, which is to say, you know, define what they're asking for, from you, figure out to some extent what that's going to take. So, you know, money, do I have the talent? Do I have the resources? Do I have the trucks? Are they the right kind of trucks? You know, what are the data requirements coming back? And go through all those operational questions to understand what it, what it is you're getting into. Now, the question you've posed as is more of an operational one because the customer is already coming to you. Um, and now it's a question of deciding whether or not you have the, the financial operational and, you know, sort of talent and leadership ability to accomplish what they've asked. Oftentimes what you'll get is the other side, which is someone will say, look, we're in trouble in this market and we have too much business with one customer or whatever the case is. And they'll say, oh, we need to go and do a new one. Well, without necessarily having the sales piece ahead of time. And in that case, what they have to do is look at, oh, okay, how do I go out and sell this? How long is it going to take me to sell it while I'm selling it? um, You know, how much money am I going to be burning in order to win these new customers? And how do I shortcut all of that, you know, so that I can, you know, get into this market and get success as early as possible without damaging myself financially? And of course, in the case of a turnaround, if it's gone too far, you know, usually they're in a position where they don't have a lot of money. So, right. You know, in many ways, the question I pose, which is, you know, Target asking you to help them with home delivery, we're, I think, as an industry better at that because that's an operational challenge. And you, you actually have the customer, you can sit down with them and say, let's talk about, you know, what the expectation for pickup, delivery, you know, the technology involved. I think we're very good at that. Um, I know the industry is very good at that. What you said, though, just now was the harder part is if you realize we're losing a customer. Like I have some good friends who are losing some printed material, the businesses, fewer newspapers. So they want to enter some other markets, leveraging what they already know, the equipment they have, that kind of stuff. That's a bigger problem. That's a bigger challenge. You know, if the business is not in trouble financially, you know, they have some resources to work with, which is good. Typically, the the challenge there is sitting down and developing the list of questions to ask, you know, asking the right questions and sort of laying out and putting under control the project dealing with the unknowns so that you can assure yourself that you're going to have the positive outcome that you want. And, you know, a lot of that is sort of looking at the markets, understand the market where you're currently playing and the capabilities that you have, ideally relative to your competitors and then the competitors of the markets you're looking at. It is. That's exactly what it is. And kind of what it is, is you're, you're going off into the wilderness. You want to pack a backpack. So the question is, what, what do you have in there? What do you have available to you to assure your survival? And how do you think you might accomplish that? And that's really what that first part of that's all about. But really, that's the second. The first part is, you know, deciding what your destination is going to be. Yeah. And once you've got that, again, I believe the operational piece isn't the hard part for most logistics companies. We're 
we've become expert at kind of getting the operational foundation under us once we've sold something. Well, that's absolutely right. And the thing of it is, is in most businesses, logistics included, and logistics is probably better than, than a lot. They're adept at dealing with the data. They understand what the issues are and how to get the data operationally. In all the other industries and this one, the challenge on the sales side is much of that data is hidden. You can operate a business with some degree of success and not see that data. But when you have to enter a new market and call your shots ahead of time and you don't have that information, you know, now what you have, you know, it's a problem and you need to have it and you need to be aware that you don't and, you know, find a way to go and get it. Yep. And, um, Steve, talking about going and getting it, you know, we've, we've had some offline conversations, uh, recently about the partnering or, you know, additional capability, you know, with some of the bigger companies, you know, the global brands, ICAT, those kind of mm-hmm, sure. uh, opportunities. What are some other ways we might get that extra capability, especially on a shoestring, which is so often the case because we lost a market or we lost some big customers. Oh, sure. Now, now, partnering in some respects is kind of its own thing. In the context of entering a new market, typically what you're doing when you partner is you're trying to fill a hole in your capability. Um, and, you know, that may be an operational capability, you know, for a service that you're selling, or it might be a, a sales capability where you're trying to gain access to other businesses or excuse me, other customers through, you know, the people who are already selling to them. The key to that is the understanding of what value you bring to your partner, because any partnership is a trade off. You know, they have to have a reason to partner with you and you, they, and it's got to work for all concerned. And sadly, at least in my experience, partnerships typically will have a lifespan. And as the businesses change themselves and their situations change, the relationship over time tends to change with it or not. But the need for one another tends to wane over time. But that's the role. That's the role it plays. Okay. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the logistics of logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. So, I know it having participated in some of these uh, difficult transitions in the past, um, what's the sense for why new market entry would fail? What would cause that? In a lot of cases, it's, well, in fact, in most cases, it's a failure of, of leadership. You know, and the reason I say that is, you know, the, the leader will tend to fail at doing their homework, understanding where it is they're going, what value they bring, understanding the customer, creating the proper vision for the effort. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Secondly, once, when you get into it, you find that, uh, there's an overreach. It's an improper definition of a goal. And they say, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm a $20 million company. And hey, guess what? You know, I want to, I want to compete with a, with a $5 billion player. Well, you know, not realistic. Uh, you're probably not going to do it. They'll just crush you. Uh, or they don't have enough money or the talent that they have is not adequate or the processes that they have are weak or they're competing against somebody who has technology that they don't and can't ever, you know, don't have and can't ever get. So 
that's a reason for it. Well, this also gets back to that up front, where if you go in ad hoc without a lot of planning and just say, hey, look, at the grass is greener over here. I'd like to go there. Well, exactly. It sounds like a <laughs> well, lack of planning. Well, it, it, it is a lack of planning. And then, you know, there's another component to this as well. And I'll, I'll throw this out there for your listeners. People think it's easier than it is. Um, and they'll budget for it and they'll go and do the front end of this thing. And they'll be, again, very optimistic about what's going to happen. And, you know, the reality behind it is it's much harder than you think. In the case of, you know, some of the new products, when you're entering a new market, you know, you, you do your best estimate and then multiply by five or in some cases, 10, the amount of money and time it's going to require to reach, you know, your goal. So it's a, it can be an extremely risky thing. And, Anytime you discount those risks, you're, you know, you're doing so at your own peril. Yep. Well, I'm a born optimist. And uh, one of the challenges I always have in, in entering any new project is the tendency to jump and then figure out, I'll figure it out going forward. And that's probably <laughs> well, not the best way to go. So, well, it, it, it feels the best in a lot of cases. Uh, if you're, if you're not an optimist, um, th- that scares you to death. But yeah, I mean, that, that's typically how, how a lot of it will go. The other one is, and there, there's another risk factor in here, and that is, you know, not knowing what you don't know, you know, which is always, the, <laughs> which is always the toughest one to deal with because, you know, again, how do I know what questions to ask? And, you know, if you don't, Hey, there's 10 questions that are vital and I've answered, you know, I've answered eight of them and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Well, but the critical one is number nine or number 10. Now you're waltzing into a situation with no real appreciation for what you're getting into. Right. And generally the way around that is to, is to get in touch and talk with somebody who's done it, who can, you know, say, look, you know, they've got an understanding of your industry or whatever and can say, listen, you know, there's a landmine over there. Don't step on it. Well, this, it it does require a lot of questions. I think it's, it's keeping your ego in check and being humble. Well, like, like so many endeavors. A lot of wise people have, have talked about that over the years. And, and so you're absolutely right. So other side of the coin, what would make a company successful trying to enter a new market? Yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? Some of this, the easy things. Hey, do you have, do you have enough money? I've got a good source of cash. It flows. Life is good. My business is healthy. Do I have good talent? Yeah. Do I have good leadership? Do the people who are on the team trust me? Critically, and I think we've touched on it a little bit as well, is how good am I as a seller? And, you know, good I define in terms of how well do I understand my current customer's decision-making process to buy my stuff? Because the skills, the skills of doing that are the, are the same skills that you would use entering into a new market. If you're good at that, if you're good at understanding how the decisions get made and influencing those decisions in your, in your favor, if you know how long it takes, you know, for a customer to make those decisions, you can begin to develop, you know, forecasts and budgets that are at least halfway reasonable. I mean, they're never right, but when they're halfway reasonable, at least you can start to say, well, okay, you know, I've, I think I've got enough money yeah, to, to cover this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to run out of cash before I get there and have to scrap the whole investment. So, you know, that kind of stuff helps. Um, the other one, of course, is, and, and you've touched on it is, is the humility piece, which is, you know, integral to the leadership. 
you can't, as a leader of an effort like this, go into it thinking that you've got it all nailed and you understand everything that's going on and that you have to posture for the world as being the smartest guy in the room because it's a recipe for failure. And in reality, if you probably sat back and looked at it, you know, just the humble piece, you know, you can probably be successful just starting with that because eventually you'll get to the right questions and you'll get the answers you need. So those would be the, you know, it's sort of the resource thing, right? Do I have the people, the money and so on? And am I, am, am I, you know, humble enough to do something with it? But it's the right leadership also to your point. It is. It is. If I could also say this, it's, it's a conscious move into a new market, not a, we fell over backwards into it or our sales guy stumbled across it. It is conscious. That really is the key to it. You know, I think there's a, there's a tendency for, you know, in business to deal with just what's right in front of us and, and not deal with the things that are outside of it. And, and that works very well day to day. When you find yourself in a situation where you have to look at the bigger picture and ask questions, um, and recognize what you don't know, it becomes a lot harder. You know, that's the case in, in these situations. Yeah. And Steve, one of the things, you, as you know, we've worked together on some uh, projects over time is, you know, I'm a big believer in companies having specialization and being an expert in one space. And sometimes it bugs me when I have somebody say, well, well yeah, but we can sell this, this and this too. I'm not against new sales <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. But I, I tend to think become an inch wide and a mile deep as opposed to a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I, when somebody says new market entry, it seems like, well, yeah, this is new market entry and it's very uh, deliberate thought we had when it just feels like, Hey, you're just kind of failed selling to your preferred market. And now we're almost retreating or taking an easy way out. How do I know? How do you know when you start to work with a customer? They say, well, we, yeah, new market entry is what we need. We need to get into new markets. Whether that's really just a, a problem, you say, look, you have that not doing a good job in your current market. Yeah. That one, well, you can, you know, there's a quite a number of indicators for that. And, uh, and I think we just, we're just talking about being good at sale, you know, at selling, being good at sales. You know, if you're good at it, you can answer a lot of questions about your customer. You know what they are, you know, and, and to a certain extent, you're talking about specialization. You, know, you can't know everything there is to know about the world. It's a, it's, it's a flat out impossibility. But you can know quite a bit about the piece of real estate that you're occupying today. And if you've had the habit and you've taken the, taken the trouble to do that, you're probably pretty good at evaluating yourself at least halfway honestly. I mean, it's hard for anyone to do that. But now when you run into the situation where you say, Hey, look, I've got a little company. It's on its last legs. Its market is shrinking and so on. There can be a number of causes for that. And, and most people who are running or owning those companies will point to some sort of outside influence. For the most part, it's not the outside influence. I mean, there are, there are, there are clearly exceptions. Uh, at most, it's a contributor. The real problem tends to be on the inside of the company. Usually it's a leadership problem. Um, and I would say that's a, that's almost axiomatic. When you start pulling back, you know, the layers of the onion and seeing what's there, Typically, what you'll find is, you know, all kinds of leadership problems, process problems, not taking care of business on on the basis that, you know, the business requires. Uh, and what will happen is when the company looks to the outside, they'll say, oh, you know, this market is not good, blah, blah, blah. We can't succeed. We need to go to that one over there. And then you start evaluating, you know, you start asking questions and evaluating, you know, that market. 
And typically what you'll hear coming back is, you know, some very glittering generalities about how this is going to be easy and discounting the, the level of trouble that they're going to have doing it. Those are all heavy indicators that, that there's a whole lot of problems that, and that this is just a cover for them. Yep. As Steve, uh, as we talked a little bit offline, we've both run across in our, in our businesses, companies that don't do a good job on the sales piece. They don't understand their customers as well as they should. They find themselves kind of always looking for better leads. So they're making cold calls and it's almost kind of that wave of, uh, you know, we'll just hire more guys to make more calls and it's not a great way, but we're going to continue down this path. Those tend to tend to be the companies that I, I notice struggling with sales, but then also, um, talking about, yeah, we got to get into a better market all the time. And I think, yeah, cause you're not doing what you're supposed to do in your current market. Sure. No, it's always, it's always easier to, to blame the other guy than to look to ourselves. You know, the challenge with that, of course, is, is that the only solution to the problem usually is with ourselves. So I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're doing a good, if you're doing a good job, you know, I mean, you, you can answer the questions and, you know, if you can ask, Hey, why does a customer buy? And you can answer that. You know, why do they buy my stuff? Um, why do they buy my stuff and not, you know, somebody else's? Why not my competitors? I mean, how, again, how long does it take them to say yes to us? Blocking and tackling a sales. Look, it, it, it is. And this is sort of the challenge of it is, is that you have to, to some extent, look at sales as an operational exercise with very variable inputs. And you have to develop strategies for controlling the inputs, dealing with the variation in the process and minimizing that variation over time, you know, without over optimizing it to the point where you starve to death. And, you know, if you're a company that operates on that basis, you have a deep understanding of where your revenue is coming from. And to some extent, that's that's transferable to other markets. You know, the answers to the questions change, but the fact that you ask the questions in the first place don't. And that gives you a significant leg up when you go to make that move. That's that's excellent. Steve, this has been great. As always, I'm always impressed with your insights, especially into sales and strategy. <laughs> so uh, any any final thoughts on this topic? New market entry that <laughs> we get off topic. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, the things when you're when you're contemplating doing it, why am I doing this is, I think, hugely important. And I think the other side of it is, you know, as you're falling in love with the adjacent market, you, you know, you might want to start digging around looking for uh, looking for warts because, you know, the grass is never as green as you think it is on the other side of the fence. You generally have a whole bunch of new problems that you never anticipated. And sometimes you're better off saying, look, maybe I'm, maybe I'm better off doing what I'm doing where I am. But if you do decide to go forward, right, you know, you've, you've done so and, and you own it and you're committed to it because you're going to have difficulties along the way and, and maintaining a, a high level of will to achieve will, will hold you in good stead. So, and then again, if you have an issue, call Steve, somebody. Steve, I think we, yeah, <laughs> like you. Well, yeah, I mean, you can call me or, or not. That's all right. <laughs> well, I would recommend they, that they do. You know, you said, why are you pursuing this? Why, why make the move? You ask yourself, that's a real good question. I think that the challenge on that is, is don't put a one bullet point answer on that is, is really try and be objective and open with yourself. And as hard as that is, and maybe get some outside feedback and, 
make sure you're answering that as honestly as you can. And if it's because I hate what we're doing right now and uh, we're not doing it well, well, maybe that's not the reason to move. Well, if there's a legitimate business reason, go ahead well, and do the right thing on the way over to the Yeah, you know, if, if you can possibly avoid doing it out of fear, you know, which is, I think, in many ways, the worst way, because decision making is, you know, when, when people are afraid, their decision making is compromised. That's the best. If they find themselves in a high stress, high fear situation, that's the time to reach out to somebody else who's got a different set of eyes and is maybe not as close to it. And they can help typically to. Right, right. That's where it helps to get some outsiders involved. Uh, right. Well, Steve, again, thank you so much. This has uh, been great. We'll have to do it again. I'd, I'd enjoy that. And uh, thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.